Welcome. We are back with another episode of the Elite Selling Podcast. It's your host. It's Frankie Griffin. Today, we're dedicating this special episode to any and all reps out there in 2023 that are struggling in their business, really understanding where the gaps are within their deals, maybe in their pipeline generation, uh, how they're stacking up to the rest of the business. What are the key things that they are not doing that they should be doing to get back on track and hit their number? Well, our special guest, Leslie Young, is going to help us out today. Leslie, most recently, the former chief revenue officer of GEM. She has been a sales leader at companies like Segment, Meta, and Box absolute legend and she's going to give us some specific examples of how the best reps and sales leaders use data and operating metrics to drive their business forward what types of data who you need to partner with and other great examples in today's episode really excited to get into it here's leslie Leslie, welcome to the Elite Selling Podcast. Thank you, Griffin. It's good to be here. Absolutely. We appreciate you being here. We are ready to get into it. Moving your business forward with data and operating metrics. I know Frankie and I are excited to talk to you about this topic. Uh, both of us, we would, I think we would consider ourselves data-driven sellers. And so first off, and, and we can just get started, would love to learn more about your experience with data, operating metrics, KPIs. What turned you on to this and why are you so passionate about it? Oh, there's probably three reasons. One, I, I honestly see it as a security blanket for me. Like it's the thing I can lean into when I have to support an argument or a point of view. Um, two, I really think it changes the nature of the conversation, especially if you're a frontline manager about what you're discussing. So if it happens to be career growth or a deal or the forecast, you really can look at the data to start and inform the conversation and then it sort of takes the emotion out of it. Um, and then the third is, uh, it really gives you a sense for where the business is going. Um, I really think today, all of us who are either sellers or leading teams of sellers or go-to-market teams really have to have an understanding of what are the leading indicators, um, you know, from pipeline to conversion to execution and in all of those, there are insights. And so for me, it's all about using the data to support your point of view, um, using the data to have the conversations we need to have with our AEs and others, SDRs, et cetera, across the go-to-market function, and then also to know where the business is going. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. Go ahead, Frankie. Yeah. It, so you, you mentioned leading indicators, and I think that's a sticking <laughs> point for a lot of people because you can measure it a thousand different ways. Do you have a specific thought process around some that might be better versus some that aren't so great? Or do you think it depends on the situation? Go a little bit deeper on that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what it comes down to going back to sort of what I just said, it goes, it comes down to how do those leading indicators help you enable the folks to be successful? So do their best work. So it's about the people part of it. It's about are we following the process that we need to follow? And are we making, are we getting through the steps we need to as we execute a sales engagement process? For instance, like if I'm doing a forecast and somebody says to me, hey, um, I'm moving this to stage four, uh, which is um, vendor of choice. 
Um, and, you know, I, I say something like, well, okay, does, when we have vendor of choice, that means the economic buyer, the champion has committed to or has in place a meeting with the economic buyer. Now, that that is like a KPI in the sense that it's a stage that we follow. Um, but it's really what's important about that is the context and the content. Are we actually getting to the places we need to get to to make sure that when we look at that, when we look at that forecast, that it matches back to those KPIs that we set up for those stages? If, does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. You're talking yep. about removing risk, right? You're talking yeah, about removing risk from the process. Exactly. Right. A, a, whether that's the pipeline, the forecasting, and then you know our check-ins with things like MedPick. The last piece is the KPIs inform. Um, and inform the rest of the business where we are in the business. So if you think about pipeline, pipeline is an indicator of future health. I, I always right. say pipeline is your lifeline. So knowing it, in this quarter what how we're setting up next quarter. Uh, secondly, KPIs for we used to have this concept of create and close business in the velocity businesses for SMB and mid market. Create close business is business that can come into a quarter and close within a quarter and you don't even see it before it comes in. So, you know, we have KPIs to make sure that we're actually tracking to those metrics um, and it'll let us know if we're ahead or behind, like the pipeline being created, where's the pipeline going? Is it is it converting at the rate we wanna have it convert? Um, I will tell you, I have been in QBRs, like company QBRs, where we spend five hours going through KPIs and the thing that makes those meetings successful or not is the insights they provide and therefore what are we going to do about it so i love the you know kpi meetings where you've had a, an ability to digest the data and to surface the questions and to create a hypothesis for how we should change do more of do less of keep doing um the worst thing and i've been in lots of these too is where it's basically a readout of information which is a complete waste of everybody's time and one of the most expensive meetings you can have in the business. I've seriously been in KPI meetings where you have got like half the business there. It's thousands and thousands of dollars. That needs to be repeated about 12 times. <laughs> it's yeah. so true. Yeah, no, and I and I have been uh, accused of being painful about that. Therefore, I suggest is is one that you might say like, okay, I'm seeing this data, therefore I suggest or you know, you have an SDR, uh, a pipeline situation, and the outbound reps um, are having a hard time converting from appointment to active deal. Like, okay, we know that. What are we seeing in that? What are the common What are the common symptoms of the problem that we're having? Is there any insight you can give me to what process we need to change? How we need to be talking differently to the SDRs about how they should pass off to the AEs? So that, that meeting, that's where that should happen. And in fact, um, at GEM, one of the things we started to do was to, we started to take all the action items and we would come back to those in the follow-on meeting to say, to make sure that we'd actually executed on that and then to look at what was the outcome of the execution on the hypothesis for why something was or was not working the prior meeting. Um, right. So, so that- after the, the root problem. The root problem and, and making sure that if you're doing those kinds of KPI meetings that they're actionable and progressing the business and that we stop doing things that are not effective. Mm -hmm. So when when did you really you know get 
get opened up to the KPI process? Was this when yeah. you were an individual contributor? Was this when you originally got into leadership? I mean, really, where was that sort of aha moment? Was this back in uh, days at Box? Was this? Uh, oh, I'm it was curious. well before it that. Was there an aha moment? <laughs> it, was, it was well before that. I okay. um, going back to the sort of it being a security blanket, like using mm -hmm. the data to inform how I was working in my own book of business. Um, and at that time, because it was a long, long time ago, it was spreadsheets. So, you know, as I worked through my day, I needed to know where my time was best spent, especially because when I was at Remedy, um, we had all the salespeople were in California and we had territories like all over the United States. And mine happened to be on the East Coast and we were allowed to travel once a quarter. So I had to make good use of my time. And so that, you know, that that data part, how I was using my activity and where I should spend my time when in the field. You know, I, what I learned was I needed to do partner meetings in the morning to make sure that I was setting up a pipeline from the partners. Um, the chunk of my middle of my day was sent was spent executing meetings that would progress deals. And I would only take meetings that were at a certain stage of progression because I could do the other stuff on the phone and because that meeting was when I would get everybody into the room. Again, this is a long time ago. So get everybody, the decision makers in the room, the, the influencers in the room so that I could progress the deal so that we could start to do the negotiation, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, the end of the day was again, like if we want a deal or if I needed to take somebody out to thank them. So it was like, it was super rigorous. And one of the things I carried throughout my career um, and you know, the, the, the process of that, like started, that I just started to realize I have a process mindset. It makes me, it makes me more confident in the work I'm doing and the forecasts I'm giving. Um, and then it became kind of one of these, you have, everybody has their formula, right? And you've probably heard about the velocity formula, which is like how many deals, what's the time frame, what's the ACV, right? Et cetera. Everybody, I don't care if you're an SMB rep or an enterprise rep has a velocity formula. So being able to put those things in play, and to watch them and to track them for yourself and then in a broader scope for the business is you know foundational to under to being able to communicate whether it's to your manager to a vp or to the board what is the health of the business and how are we going to land for the quarter yeah that's great what so you're talking back back what you were talking about it was a lot of manual work a lot of uh going through the data line by line, but nowadays there's so many different solutions and tools out there that can help you with this. Is there, without getting into like each tool, but do you think there's like a, a, a better way to do it now? Like meaning, do you think reps should be focused on everything in Salesforce or do you think it needs to be like in certain tools? Like what's your opinion on like managing your business now with all the opportunities out there? Really good question. I think um, you have to have a place to capture the information. So Salesforce for capturing sort of the interactions that I'm having with customers. Um, but I think the challenge with Salesforce now is you can't see the health of like an AE's business easily through a single dashboard. It's very hard to get to that. You can run lots of reports to get to that. But one of the biggest challenges I saw as I moved up in the organization and, and candidly, mostly in COVID was this just increasing frustration from frontline managers about how do I actually manage these people when I can't sit next to them and I can't spin around in my chair and have a conversation about what's the health of their business. So it became abundantly clear that we needed to arm those frontline managers with tools that would enable them to have very productive conversations with their AEs. 
So, um, you know, I happen to be a fan of, of um, Clary. <laughs> we, we put it in place at Segment. And, I, you know, it can be any tool, candidly. It's really how it comes into the business. In the case, in our case, we had um, a great RevOps team led by somebody who really knew how to put this into the organization so that it didn't disrupt the organization. And the whole focus of putting it into the organization was how does it help the frontline manager do their job and be more effective in one-on-one -on -one conversations with AEs? I, as a leader of a sales organization, can spend all my time looking at data. I can build a system that is for me, but it defeats the purpose of what I'm trying to achieve, which is to make the AEs more productive. And I, when I use AE, it could be AE, SDR, CSM, um, more productive, and their, the time they spend with their managers more productive. Um, so that everybody candidly can do their best work. Uh, I, I know that there are going to be different uh, KPIs across different teams for SDRs, for enterprise reps. Um, I'm curious, you know, for those, if I'm putting my shoe, myself in the shoes of a frontline leader for um, more of like a mid-market uh, enterprise team, what are some of the consistent KPIs that you see across those teams that frontline leaders if they have better visibility or if they see their teams doing these things consistently, it's leading towards success. I'm, I'm just curious if there's anything uh, you've noticed consistency. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I said earlier, pipeline's your lifeline. So you yeah. have to have, I mean, across every part of the business, there should be a KPI for pipeline. And and in my book, in my view, the entire company should know what does pipeline mean and how is pipeline built because it is how the business grows. Um, and so, you know, pipeline generation, whether you know is a key KPI and it's a week to week and a month to month and a quarter to quarter, um, it differs depending on the the segment you're in. Whether mm -hmm. that's you know you're in a, a velocity SMB mid market or enterprise, because the timeframes differ. So the pipeline we build today for an enterprise rep won't come to fruition. Let's say we're in Q1 until probably Q4. The, the thing you need to be watching in the KPIs you need to be watching in that is progression and fall off and, you know, erosion of that pipeline. Uh, and are we actually hitting the targets that we want to hit when you're looking at, say, inbound pipeline and you're looking at SMB, you're looking at velocity and ACVs, because at some point, if the ACVs come down so much, the efficiency doesn't make sense. Or the other piece of that is conversion to what I said earlier about this concept of create and close comes in, sales cycle happens and we close the business inside of a quarter. You have to have a certain rate of return. The challenge we're faced with right now is we're asking a lot of SMB sellers who are velocity sellers to do pipeline development. And so it becomes, how do I, how do I uh, build a weekly plan that enables me to get through all the things I need to get through? Um, because if they're running, running 20 deals, that means they have to have 60 deals at any given time, right? Is that feasible or not? And, and you know, what's the pipeline commitment we should expect from them if that's the case? Because you, you can't run 60 cycles at the same time. So it's, it's a question. How do you optimize that? Do you use technology? Um, do you use things like outreach to help progress those deals, whatever it is, or SDRs? And then mid-market, mid-market's always kind of an interesting one because it, it kind of runs both sides of that. It runs like the velocity piece and then the the enterprise piece. And you really need to be looking at what's the, what is the complexity of the deal cycle that I'm running 
Um, and what I found in both Gem and at Box is the AE who understands the makeup of their book of business and actually starts to figure out what their own pipeline is, whether that's, you know, I create X amount every quarter from expansion opportunities and from new business. I expect my SDR and, SDR and I have agreed that we're going to come up with five deals over the course of the quarter that I am actively working that are either going to close in this quarter or next quarter. Um, that's very different than maybe the SDR conversation with the enterprise rep that might be, um, we have five target accounts. Our objective in those five targets is to get appoint appointments with three business leaders and to find influencers and initiatives, uh, two influencers and initiatives. And that might take 10 new business meetings over the course of a month. Like those are really different dynamics. And so I think as a, as a frontline leader who is running a particular segment, you need to understand the velocity of the segment and the velocity of the sales process. And, um, and then you need to set up the KPIs accordingly. So that's, that's pipeline. That is like, and I will tell you, that's the, the hardest in my vision, the hardest one. The second one is, you know, what kinds of activities are we doing? And I'm going to move over to customer success with customer success to ensure that we are achieving the greatest lifetime value from our customers. So are we engaging if you, whether you have account managers or whether your AE is responsible for this, those, there should be a set of actions that we're running with our um, customer success folks that are about how do we increase the lifetime value of this customer. Um, so, you know, if, if I was to look at all of that, just really uh, summarize it, it's really like there's this pipeline generation capacity. There's this new business meeting um, piece that you're doing. And sometimes that has to be done, is done with your customer success person because there's new business opportunities in existing accounts. It's how many qualified opportunities have I produced that are going to get me to my quota. And then looking at your conversion rate over qualified opportunity to close. And then finally, as I said earlier, uh, as part of this formula, it's what's your ACV in your time frame. Did, that, yeah. did I answer your question? I love it. You did. Pipeline generation, new business meetings, there's the qual actual qualified pipeline. You're looking at ACV, you're looking at time frame, uh, customer lifetime rate. value, partner with customer success. So, well, and, and when you're going through that, it's you're looking at a, a rep. Does a rep have a detailed territory plan? Do they have yes, a detailed and if they're account-based, do so they have detailed account plans? And I know that this is a hot topic for some orgs are big on account and territory plans. Some are not like just straight up. They, they don't either believe in it. Yeah. or I don't think it's a big process. I mean, what do you think the big challenge or gap is without doing an account plan or without doing a territory plan? Why do you think some companies choose not to? I think it's a really good question because as I, you know, as I think about my myself and what I talked about earlier is the way that I looked at my book of business was like, this is my business. Yeah. And I am responsible for delivering 2 million of revenue to the organization that I work for. I need to understand how I'm going to do that. And I need to have sort of a hypothesis for where the business is going to come from. That hypothesis is going to change over the course of 12 months based on the outcomes of the work that I'm doing. Um, but the plan is like, okay, if I look at my customer base and I look at the kind of products that we have, in my case, if I'm at Box or I'm at Segment or I am at Gem, they're like, they're not a one product company. They're a multi-product company. So I'm, I'm looking at my customers I have today. 
What products do they have? What additional products can I add? Then I'm also looking at those customers and saying, okay, in my book of business, where are there other customers like those customers? I'm going to put those on a list of my targets. And then I'm going to start to work my, you know, just like we do when we become SDRs is we're going to work our plan over the week. Like what do my activities need to be to actually get to what we talked about earlier, new business meetings and qualified opportunities. That's why I've always been like, <laughs> I always say to SDRs, if you don't learn it now, you can't, you will never get away from learning how to run your business or run your week in an, this activity mindset. Cause it will follow you through your career. Like, why do you have to have a plan? Cause right. without a plan, where's your, de what's your destination? Yeah. Maybe that's the best way to put that's it perfect. is. <laughs> yeah, you know, you need the plan to arrive at your destination, which in this case is $2 million. The map, sort of the map that takes you there is probably going to change over the course of the 12 months. It's our job and why we have QBRs every quarter is so that we can track like, am I, am I, is it, am I working against my plan and is the plan working or what do I need to change? Like what things do I need to keep doing? What things do I need to change? Like we all have had this conversation when you are with your manager and they say, what's happened to those target accounts? What progress have you made? Mm -hmm. Why are they still on the list? <laughs> right. Yep. Or, Hey, how do you actually, now that you got that deal, how are you going to get more revenue at the end of the quarter or more end of the year? The best one is we say, okay, we've lined five or six companies up to have like in the, before the first, before the first half that have bought from us that are new customers. And you're building plans for how you're going to get additional revenue revenue from them before the end of the year. Like that's optimal. That's why you do this. Um, and I, I can't imagine going into a one-on-one -on -one with a manager without having a plan. Like yeah. that's, that's a competency thing. That'd be tough. Yeah. yeah that's a yeah. tough one. One thing that, um, that when we were at people AI, our previous company, Griff and I, they, they gave us a template it was called path to cash plan. And it That's was crazy. like one of the, one of the best things, like every rep to your point should already be doing it. But for, for our CRO to have thought about this, laid it out. And it is exactly what you're talking about. They reverse engineered, here's your goal, your quota. Okay. Let's think bigger than that. Like, it, what do you want to make for your W2? So That's like, right. you want to make a million dollars, you want to make 700, you want to make 500 and then reverse engineer each account. Like how much could you get from your current customers, from your prospect accounts? So then that way you're thinking of your business, like as what you talked about as a CRO, and that's how every single rep should be thinking about. So then you're coming to that QBR with a point of view versus like, I think the philosophy, a lot of reps, and I used to have it is, oh, I hope I don't get beat up in my QBR, yeah, yeah, like yeah. versus you're an adult, like you're a professional treated as such come in with a point of view. And I think yeah. what you're talking about is so important because it gives you the confidence it gives you the respect from your leadership and it gives you the help because they know that you're taking your business seriously. You're absolutely right. And I think that was really well put Frankie. Um, you know, the path to cash is great. It, like that's a great way of putting it to a salesperson. Cause that's, I hope how they're motivated. Like that's how we're yeah. all in the business is, right. um, you know, mine may not be the word cash. I see cash as choice. It gives me yeah. choices to do the things I want to do in my life. Um, but it is all about that. And, I think the other really important thing that you said is QBRs as, um, you know, beat up session. And I actually think the, the qualified sales leader talks a lot about, like talks a lot about this. Um, I like, that is the worst thing for me. I do not want anybody coming into that meeting 
thinking that it is their time to get beat up by management. This is their time to get like ideas and input on what their plan is. And, you know, and that should be from the whole group of people. Um, the time to talk about whether the deal walk-up works or not is not then. <laughs> the time is for me to like actually go to the manager and say, like that sort of plan didn't quite add up to what we needed it to. Or that was great because it added up to, you know, 3X what we needed in there, you know, or I can t tell what the risk is. But my job is not to dig into every single deal in detail and try to call somebody out in that meeting. That meeting is designed to help people figure out where there's opportunity in their business in this quarter. In, it, in those situations where there's a gap is to start to formulate a plan for filling the gap, which mm -hmm. they should come into that meeting with, but... <laughs> well, bringing it back full circle, again, yeah. it's, it, imagine walking into a QBR as a rep or a manager without data, KPIs, operating metrics to understand where the gaps are in the business, like to understand where we need to improve. Uh, I, I had been through QBRs at my first company that were just, I don't know, excuses to get together. I don't really know what yeah. was going on, but yeah. no, yeah. like, like Frankie mentioned at the last, at our last company, it was very much so a brainstorming session around, okay, let's look at your plan. Let's look at what you've accomplished, where your strengths are, where some opportunities for improvement are. And, you know, come in with a point of view, Griffin, Absolutely. Frankie, come in with your point of view. To, back to the path to cash, a lot of reps did not want to do that. But what I got out of the experience was a little bit different where I looked at one of the accounts that I was spending so much time with. And it was like, I'm not going to close any revenue with this account. <laughs> Even if I get the entire organization on our platform, it's going to be a tiny deal that's not going to impact my quota at all. I need to stop spending time with these. And it just yeah, completely yeah. changed my mindset around where I should be prioritizing my time. I was like, wow, I need to be going after these bigger accounts because they're going to be worth the squeeze. So it's just another exercise to to make sure you're on the right track and your your plan is working. And you brought up something that I used to do as um, when I was a frontline and second line leader is that reverse engineer. And I remember I had a gal who who never missed her number, never missed it. And she came to me and said, you know, I, I can't be in sales anymore. I'm like, why? She said, the stress is killing me. I said, okay. <laughs> Take out that that spreadsheet. It was a spreadsheet at the time of what your velocity formula is. You know, what's your ACV? How long does it take? How much pipeline do you need? All of the all of the uh, basics. Um, and let's just look at it. Like, let's look at what the facts say. Again, going back to this concept of data, is and she looked at it and I said, you you first of all think at the beginning of quarter you're not going to succeed. Well, everybody does because you cannot see the finish line. You cannot see the deals are going to close. It's it's called a forecast for a reason. But you, what you have is a pattern of success in the way you operate. And so you need to lean into that pattern of success, which is really this reverse engineering of the, the path to cash, as you said. It's your like path to cash. It's going to be different. Like my conversion rate might be out of every five deals I do, I close two. The person next door might be out of every uh, five deals I close, I close four. The difference might be the ACVs, right? So everybody has a slightly different path to cash. And I think the only way you are intellectually honest with yourself is if you reverse engineer it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's, it's like hope. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one action item for sellers to go take after this is if you don't know where to find the data, go ask your management, go talk to sales ops. That's their job to have this That's data right. available. 
And if you don't like go figure out a way to put some of this information together for yourself, because it is your territory, it is your business, it is your franchise, like it's up to you to be successful. Um, and I, I didn't realize until, you know, a few years ago that sales ops has all this data for you. So go ask for it because it's there. And if you yeah. don't know the data, you can't take action on what we're talking about. Yeah, that, that Frankie is accountability. <laughs> That's yeah. called, you know, I'm accountable for my business. Um, you know, and I think that applies, you know, when I think about what you just said, so that RevOps function has become so important for that very reason is because you don't have to spend all of your time trying to come up with that data. They can give it to you and then you can get insights from it, mm -hmm. right? And you can actually start to improve parts of that process that you maybe didn't even know you needed to work on. Um, for instance, we've all had this sort of the shrinking pipeline situation, right? You go into the, the beginning of the quarter, you got all the stuff lined up and then it starts to shrink because budgets get less. We've decided to narrow down. So then you have to like figure out, okay, how am I going to fill that gap? you can go get that data very quickly. And the best part about it is they can deliver it into a format that you can understand very quickly. And this goes back to what the systems can do today is systems, you know, that are sitting on top of the Salesforce data are much better at providing a dashboard of here's your pipeline, here's your current set of, here's your forecast, here's your future, um, here's what revenue you're getting from your customers that you should go look at. Here's the signals of them being active that they are that they can that they are likely a, a potential uh, expansion account. So there's a, th that data is is just a gold mine. Um, and now we have you know a lot of organizations, at least mid most mid market ones that are in tech, have a really strong RevOps function that gets continuing to get stronger. And they like they appreciate you coming and asking that question. I as a go to market leader, uh, CRO. Like I'll go ask the question on that velocity one, like the create and close. I'll say, can you do some analysis to find out what we're not seeing, what we don't see in the data? And so then it's just it's just a series of the RevOps team saying, okay, I have these five hypotheses about how it's going to end up. Where where's the where's the challenge going to come up? And it might be something like we're way too overweighted in the size of the pipeline and the and not enough deals. If you don't ask the questions, you won't know. So we've talked a lot about the importance of data. We've talked a lot about partnering with sales ops, partnering with customer success, understanding your business, where the metric, what, which metrics you need to focus on, like pipeline generation, qualified pipeline, um, ACV. If I'm, I'm a rep, right? What sort of recommendations do you have for someone listening to this podcast to go take an action, whether it's reaching out to sales ops, whether it's uh, a book or a podcast you recommend to get them a little bit more thinking about metrics and, and, and KPIs and, and the importance of the data. Any, any recommendations you have for, for our listeners? Yes. Um, so Frankie's was great. I think going to RevOps. Um, and when you go to, to RevOps, uh, they can actually give you your formula. Like how many deals am I running? What's my conversion rate? What's my ACV? What's my time, you know, sales cycle time. Um, What's the makeup of my business, especially if you're an AE who does uh, expansion as well as new business. Um, and then, you know, like to the customer success team, you can also go to the customer success team and look at your book of business if you have accounts and you're responsible for them to say, where are we seeing signals in the business of expansion? Like that would be the first one that's outside of what Frankie said. If you are an AE that has expansion, which is partner with your customer success rep on where are there opportunities for growth in those accounts. 
Um, the second one would be kind of a, um, to, to all of this thing about it's a formula is a book that's been around for quite some time by a gentleman named Mark Robert. She's one of the uh, LPs at stage two capital. He wrote the book, the sales acceleration formula, all the stuff we've been talking about here. Um, it's, it's about what are the skills that the person needs to have? It's about what is the activity do I need to be taking? It's about what is my formula? It gives you all of that information. It's a great book to read. And then, and that's been around, I think for quite some time. Um, the, if you're at all interested, it's sort of like what that means from a company perspective. There is a um, a website, I think it's a website or a podcast called For Entrepreneurs Only that's run by David Scott. It's sort of the fundamental SaaS KPI metrics of any business, um, which is always good. And then the last one, I, you know, I, I have to say uh, The Qualified Sales Leader by John McMahon is a good one. One, because... It goes through the classic scenario of uh, I've it's a it's a number of QBRs and you're like oh you have that kind of cringe moment where you're like oh I've been in that QBR like that's why it wasn't successful to the point that we were talking about before how do you make a successful QBR what is the purpose of a QBR and how does it help the business and how does it help the individual that's a great book to read. Yes, all awesome recommendations that the John McMahon book, you definitely sweat a little bit when you're going through some of the stories. So I'm like, glad oh, been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So it's last and like final. Watching the office. Yes, they need to make a movie. I mean, corporate bro, he's doing it. So <laughs> I don't know if you've seen his stuff, but he's on to something there. He's going to be on yeah, Netflix pretty right. soon. Yes. Um, my, actually, my sons have told me about that one. Yeah, check it out. Shout out to him. Maybe we'll get him on the podcast one day. That's I don't know. a great idea. <laughs> All right. So last question we've got for you, Leslie. How do you define an elite seller? Oh, this was a good one. Um, you know, I think I think one of the things that I've started to think about that, that's real important, there's characteristics. There's, you know, curious. Are they persistent? Do they have a growth mindset? I think you said, do they have grit, which kind of puts all of those for me in there. Um, my other couple, my couple of other ones are, do they thrive in a collegi in collegial chaos? And what I mean by that, my best experience as a sales rep were when the team was trying to figure out how everybody could get to the goal. Um, and why ask that question? Because I think it's about more than all of this is about more than my individual outcomes. It's about like what happens for all of us, the company's interests, you know? So I'm always looking for somebody who's prioritizing the company, the team and the customers over personal interests. Um, and I'll go back, I'll go back to that. Like they're interested in not just getting the deals done, but getting to defensible business outcomes. And why do I use that? Because that is all about retaining the customer. If we, if the customer can't articulate the value that we delivered to them in their first year of working with our products and we got a problem. And I think that's, that whole journey is an AE. So I look for like elite sellers who think that way. Um, and elite sellers are thinking that way because they're also thinking that this customer is gonna be my customer for life, right? So it's that, and then the other things we've been talking about, which is, you know, this daily practice of the craft, that all of this data is basically daily practice of the, the craft. You know, are they qualifying? Are they de developing and, and coming up with a hypothesis for what, how I'm going to be able to deliver value to this customer? And if I can't, why am I spending time on it? Which is one of the things, Griffin, that you brought up that you discovered. And then there's always like, you know, I loved, um, I think it's actually in the, the Qualified Sales Leader book 
where he talks about like the physical standing outside of a company and going through the med pick checklist. Like, I loved that. I love that. Like, okay, I'm walking into this with this outcome in mind. So I am, I, you know, elite sellers always think about the outcome in mind when they go into something because they, they understand that our time as a resource and the customer's time as a resource is a valuable and we never have enough of it. Leslie, thanks for jumping on the Elite Selling Podcast. If you're not following her, be sure to go check her out on LinkedIn, where she shares really valuable insights like we discussed today. Uh, a few key takeaways that I had from the episode. Number one, know your numbers and figure out what your win rate is, how you can accelerate deals and reverse engineer how you're going to go get to your number. If you don't know your numbers, go ask for help internally and be sure that you're not left in the dark. Number two, think about your business as a system. Leslie talked about so many different frameworks that you can use to maximize your impact within your business, within your customer, and ask for help from your ecosystem within your organization. And then lastly, if you are liking and enjoying this podcast, you do us a huge favor by sharing it with a friend, giving us a five-star rating. That helps get the word out there to some of the other sellers. So as always, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time.